Hi, you're listening to Popolitica, a podcast created for Political Scientists Day that explores contemporary politics and its relationship with culture. This will be a three-part series where we are going to talk about different aspects of modern politics. In today's episode, we will talk about a women's role in the political landscape. Today's guest speaker is director of Vilnius University Institute of International Relations and Political Science, Dr. Margarita Sheshalkita. This podcast is exclusively made for the IIRPS community and designed for the community to get to know each other intimately. Today, we will touch on the role of women in the field of politics, how it has evolved over the years and its important role for the society in order to progress. My name is Arshpari Goyal, and today I'm going to be making us all familiar with women in the field of politics. This is an extremely engaging topic of discussion to motivate women all around the world, and along with Dr. Dr. Margarita. We wish you a good listening. So, hello, Dr. Margarita. Hi. It's really nice to have you over here, and I'm going to be asking you questions Uh, about all the subjects that I just touched upon on the behalf of the community and the students. So the first question is, since we all know that your field of expertise lies in the European Union, foreign politics and international relations, who or rather what inspired you to pursue this very field and international relations? Thank you. First of all, well, thank you very much for this opportunity to contribute to the series of podcasts. I think uh, you are doing a very important thing in enlightening the community on the issues which are really um, uh, important. And uh, thank you for the question. Uh, well, another thing that you didn't mention um, among uh, my uh, interests is uh, security and defense studies. And I think uh, that this uh, area of uh, studies was the most in inspiring for me when I was a student. I was uh, having an internship in the, at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs of the Republic of Lithuania. And I was doing a lot of uh, things related to our integration to NATO and later to our integration uh, uh, with our integration to the European Union. And I saw uh, the transformation of Lithuania since I was a teenager, how uh, we have declared our independence, how Russian tanks came to Vilnius. I, myself, I was from Vilnius. That was a quite a traumatic uh, experience for a teenager. And then how we evolved as a new independent country. And um, while well, I was experiencing some, you know, probably, I couldn't say failures, but um, some, some challenges, but also a lot of success stories. So membership in NATO and the European Union for me, as a young student was two major political success stories of Lithuania. And I was so much honored uh, to be able to touch uh, uh, 
to to these processes, uh, to our integration uh, processes, and to see uh, how many efforts were dedicated to achieve these goals. Uh, um, I've met a lot of uh, uh, leaders, uh, which have in, in, true leaders in in in, in Lithuanian politics and diplomacy, which inspired me a lot, and that's why I was concentrating on these areas for my research as well, trying to learn how these issues are covered as well, not only in Lithuania, but in other countries. That is extremely interesting and extremely inspiring, especially to young women like me who are just starting in the first year. Uh, it, it inspires me a lot. So this leads us to the second question. How did you know that the role of leadership in this discipline best suited to you or it was your call? That's a very difficult question. It's probably, it's not that you wake up one night and you realize I want to be a professor of security studies or I want to be a director of the institute. I think I have evolved step by step. And at the beginning, I was quite interested, as I said, uh, to learn more about uh, defense, uh, security and foreign policies of uh, Uh, Lithuania, but also of other small countries, uh, the countries which became members of the European Union and NATO over the last day, uh, well, over the last twenty uh, years. So these processes were interesting for me, and I uh, well, was uh, first of all writing my thesis uh, when I was a May student, uh, which was dedicated to European security and defense policy. And then I've got even more interested in the subject, so I decided to do my PhD. And then when when I was finishing my PhD, then uh, I was invited to come to the institute because at the moment, at that moment, I was working at the Baltic Defense College in Estonia, and to become the studies director of the institute. So I think it's it's like a big, uh, you know, complex. Uh, Uh, jigsaw puzzle, which was uh, being uh, accomplished, being put together over the long time, uh, bit by bit, piece by piece. And um, well, if I know that I'm doing the right thing, I think that I now I can understand and I can look uh, through the history and I can see that Yes, it was a right path because I'm really interested in the things that I am doing. And sometimes when my daughter asks, you know, that, why do you work so hard and why do you spend so much time on, on your, your work and at, at your office and going to television and writing articles and doing all sorts of things, and aren't you tired? And I say, you know, It's like a hobby because I really like what I do. So probably that's the right choice then. That means that it was the right choice. That's extremely interesting to hear. So you mentioned uh, history and NATO. So based on that, I have a question for you, which is what is the situation in the world and in Lithuania and the other post-Soviet countries regarding women in politics? I think that the situation is changing, and if you look back uh, to, to the history, uh, when the female got uh, the right to vote uh, only in 20th century, 
and uh, there was a big uh, division between private and public. So the private affairs were dedicated to female, to women, and public affairs were dedicated to men. And that was the situation in many countries. Well, there are situations like that in, in many countries even now. But I think that we have achieved a lot, especially in the Western countries over the last hundred years. And uh, uh, the fact that the women can now not only vote for the politicians, but to become politicians and quite successful ones and quite influential ones uh, is, uh, is just a proof of these uh, achievements. And um, of course, there are a lot of things uh, to be done in the future still, but I think that we have to celebrate what we have already. Absolutely. Um, similar question from one of our audiences, who is also a woman. Um, she asks, what problems do women face in this particular discipline, which is politics? And what solutions can be made for the women to be heard in politics if they are going through some problems or challenges? I think that one of the major challenges that we face in Western societies uh, that female politicians face in Western societies is related to gender-related stereotypes. And uh, there are more and more uh, female politicians who enter politics and they're performing quite successfully. We've seen the... Uh, uh, Prime Minister, former Prime Minister of Finland, Sanna Marin, uh, former Prime Minister of New Zealand, Jacinda Ardern. Uh, they are very inspiring leaders. And But also there are others, uh, the Prime Ministers, Foreign Ministers, Defence Ministers, and um, they're doing a good job. But uh, the problem is how society perceives them. And then uh, what uh, messages uh, do they send to, to these uh, politicians and how the, those politicians deal with the situations? Because we had two cases with uh, Sana Marin when she was partying and everyone was sort of uh, uh, accusing her of being... Uh, uh, inappropriate for the politician and then there was a huge discussion about uh, if it was a man and not a woman would we judge on the same level so that was one one pa pa path of uh, discussion and another was related to the decision of uh, the prime minister of new zealand to withdraw uh, from the post because she's exhausted and she feels uh, that she would not uh, uh, do her job on the same level. And there was also a discussion, will the man do things like that? And is it related to female style of the politics? My personal opinion that there are not so many differ differences between female and uh, male politicians and we do not have to make uh, artificial differences and uh, we do not have to make those uh, female politicians to feel bad for uh, taking taking uh, certain decisions which are probably um, well uh, attributed to them as female and that's why they're being judged. 
But uh, to tell the truth, uh, uh, the judgment of the society is not equal still. And I just recall a very good uh, um, movie. It's not a movie, it's series on Netflix. It's called The Diplomat. Yes. And I liked it very much. Um, and uh, there was a discussion about female politicians. And uh, then the White House representative says she doesn't have to be too moody. She ha doesn't have to be too sensitive. She doesn't have to be too strong and too weak. So it's sort of a framework which is set for female politicians. It's much more tight than for male politicians. And, and I think that this is the avenue where we still have to work, not only as, uh, well, uh, as a political community, but also as a society, not being too judgy for the female. Absolutely. And I think this is where women need to support other women, you know, like fraternity. So their sisterhood, which is extremely important because in the 21st century, it's very common to see women get set back by uh, the societal ideals, which leads us to the next question. How can women encourage other women to participate in the political environment? And are there any initiatives that aim to achieve a larger participation for women in politics? I remember the words of uh, the late uh, uh, former Foreign Secretary Madeleine Albright when she said that there is a special place in hell for the women who do not help other women. But uh, that, that, that is uh, sometimes the case that uh, it's very, it used to be very hard to get into politics. So, so those female would become uh, lonely fighters, lonely wolves uh, fighting for their own rights, uh, for their own uh, success and not having time and probably appetite to help the others. But I think it's, it's part of the duty. If you're successful, you have to leave the legacy. So you have to help others. And I think that the most important thing is to lead by example. I think that that, that is important to show the um, leadership uh, and that it's possible. And uh, that's uh, that's a good inspiration. And also, well, being probably understanding uh, uh, while trying to work with uh, women, attract more women to well, work together and understanding to the uh, women's needs. Because, well, uh, being a director, I work with... Uh, different personnel, male personnel, female personnel. But um, even though I would say that, especially at the Institute, the gender equality is, uh, is a big issue and we do not have much challenges. But the needs are sometimes a bit uh, different, and especially women who have children. You have to be understanding. And uh, I know that they perform very well and they will perform very well. But, you know, when the child is sick, then the child is sick. And I think that these things have to be also taken into the consideration. And probably for uh, female uh, leaders, it's easier to understand these these challenges. Absolutely. Um, so... 
narrowing down the landscape to Lithuania, because it's Lithuania that we are in right now. So what do you think might be the cause of underrepresentation of women in, let's say, the government or the politics in Lithuania? I think that the Lithuanians are quite conservative. That's one thing. And although the legal basis on gender equality is uh, quite uh, well organized in Lithuania and it's quite good because we try to um, uh, um, implement uh, all the regulations of the European Union, but what we... uh, um, what we are facing it's a uh, again gender related stereotypes uh, which come from rather conservative and traditional communities and uh, sometimes the difficulties that uh, female uh, face are related not to the legal barriers and not to practical barriers as such, but rather than uh, to the attitudes. And uh, we have a prime minister, uh, the female prime minister, we used to have female president, but the requirements that the society put on those women are very, very high. And not all the women are ready to enter this world of politics knowing that these requirements would be put on them. So uh, you mentioned uh, some of the few uh, women who are in positions of leadership. Uh, and we all know them because they're extreme. Like Jacinda Ardern, I personally used to look, I still do uh, look up to her a lot. Uh, so which women politicians would you single out as examples of strong women politicians? And what is it about them that inspires you so much? And not only you, but, you know, rest of the world as well. It's a very tough question. I probably should have uh, thought or pondered upon this question for some time. Uh, but, um, yeah, well, I've mentioned Madeleine Albright. I mean, she was outstanding leader and in particular, I thought she was very important for this region well, helping uh, on our way to, NATO's, uh, to NATO. And uh, uh, she was also very outspoken about emancipation of this uh, region when we just, uh, well, were making the first steps after uh, regaining our independence. And she also was very um, prominent fighter for the women's rights. So I think I, well, she, she, she's one of the inspirations that I, I always think. Uh, but also currently there are a lot of uh, female leaders and I mentioned Jacinda Adarn. I think that uh, she showed a bit different type of leadership, uh, understanding, soft, not being, not being afraid to be soft and not replicating this uh, very strong masculine leadership and She's been criticized for that, but I think uh, it shows her strength that she is uh, not afraid of being different. So her leadership was quite uh, quite an inspiration. But also, 
when we see uh, what is uh, happening now, for instance, uh, for instance, uh, Estonian uh, prime minister is also quite quite uh, active, uh, and the Lithuanian prime minister is also quite active on uh, trying to push the positions of the uh, Western leaders towards the harsher end to pr- uh, help to defend Ukraine and uh, to punish uh, Russia for what Russia is doing uh, on the Ukrainian soil. So there are a lot of leaders now which are female, but they seem to be doing uh, an outstanding job and that they are probably even more visible that a lot of men are on the issue, which is not very feminine on the issue of defense. And so I'm very happy that there are more and more uh, female leaders, uh, which are uh, which are taking serious decisions and which are very vocal and uh, recognized by the international community. Absolutely, it was really nice to hear your opinion on uh, gender-based politics. So now we come on to the more lighthearted part of the questions. So since you're such an experienced woman, what is your favorite memory from all these years spent in your career? And I know it's an extremely vague question, so you don't have to think much about it, but I'm sure you might you must have um, come across a lot of events or like, you know, just instances where you must have been like, wow, I love my job. <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's even more difficult question, really, <laughs> because so, well, it's not that easy to pick one experience that you like uh, liked in particular. It's, uh, it's very difficult to answer. I don't know. Well, being uh, a part of the Institute's community every day and well, uh, going through the things, the mundane things sometimes, well, well writing a strategic plan of the Institute and implementing things uh, uh, which we, we were uh, agreeing upon. Well, uh, achieving small successes, probably, I would say small successful steps, small successful achievements together with my team. I guess these things which makes me the most happy uh, about the job that I have. Okay, that's really nice to know. Um, the last question that everybody is extremely keen on knowing, so it's not only my organizing team, but a lot of people. Um, do you watch Eurovision? <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch, yes. Uh, but uh, for some time, for several years, I stopped watching. Um, not necessarily because probably I don't like it, but... Uh, It's not uh, my priority. If I have time, then I'd watch. Uh, but uh, not uh, usually I don't have time. But uh, prior to that, I used to watch and I liked it quite much. So what? Do, which one is your favorite song from Eurovision from all these years? Oh, uh, well, there, there were a lot of uh, songs. I like Nordic songs uh, usually. Uh, well, the one that I remember, the one of the last ones, uh, So the Swedish Euphoria, I liked it very much, but also from the, was it last night, uh, last year, there was a Ukrainian song, but not the last years, but the year before. 
and was very powerful female singer and, um, and that was uh, it was sort of a very untraditional song um, based on probably Ukrainian national folk song motives well this song I liked it very much as well okay thank you so much for answering that for me and all of the other questions um that is all from my side and if you wish to talk about anything the microphone is all yours um we would love to hear you talk in general but thank you so much for taking out your precious time and being a part of this podcast it was really helpful and really inspiring as well thank you thank you very much thank you